You're listening to Divine Connections, Episode 2. You are fully known, yet completely loved. You know, we've all had a version of this same kind of dream. We find ourselves at school in our PJs or our underwear or, yikes, no clothes at all. Or maybe we've had the lighter version of this dream where you show up at school, but you haven't done your hair or your makeup. Well, every armchair psychologist will tell you that this dream relates to anxiety over vulnerability and transparency. We fear being seen for who we really are without the comfort of a costume or a mask to hide the real us. Now, I'm launching this podcast with a series of 13 life-changing lessons learned in my half a century of walking with Jesus. And today's lesson goes right to the heart of our one-on-one relationship with God. I once heard a pastor say that many people are drawn to large, giant mega churches, you know, the kind with thousands and thousands of people and not a single parking space left. Because it's easier to hide out among the thousands of people filling the pews. And I think there's some truth to that. Now, here's the thing, though. Christianity is really a relationship between God and you. Just the two of you in a life-giving union, a spiritual ecosystem in which God continually offers you everything you need for life and godliness. But you know, many of us are a little bit like our ancestors, Adam and Eve. When we hear God calling to us, we grab for our fig leaves and try to duck behind a tree. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. And You see, I think that intuitively we get that, and that's exactly what makes us leery of getting close and of really having a genuine, significant, intimate relationship with God. We don't want to be known as we really are. Now, for years after I became a Christian, I tried to be a Christian. My focus was on doing the Christian things, all the external things. And the truth is, I look back now and I think that was just performance art. And I'm sad to tell you that it really wasn't until after a season of being backslidden that I finally realized that actually, for years, I'd been settling for so much less than what Jesus was really offering me. Because what he was offering meant that I would have to embrace that truth of Hebrews 4.13 and get over my aversion of being seen by God just as I am. And if I was going to experience a real, meaningful, deep, spiritual growth, I was going to have to be willing to be seen by God and be accountable to Him. So I want to ask you as we start today, have you found yourself ever trying to hide the real you from God? Now, we might not do this consciously, but I want you to think about this a little bit. We pull back from that personal one-to-one interaction with him in an attempt to stay invisible. 
we hang out with the, the multitude, right? We hang out with those thousands of others flowing into the church. We hang out with other believers. We attend church. We serve in children's ministry. But the truth is, we kind of keep God at arm's length. So let's see if today we can find some wisdom and some hope in a brief episode from one very, very bad night in the life of the Apostle Peter. Remember him? Bold, brash, braggadocious Peter, the guy who jumped out of the boat to walk on water. Peter, here's Peter on this night in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, but he had loudly declared his loyalty to Jesus, right? And that night, he draws a sword in the garden, and he's he cuts off the ear of that servant. I mean, he's taking action like he's going to defend Jesus. And yet, in that very same night, three times, he denies his Lord. The story is in Luke chapter 22. What does Jesus say to Peter, though? He looks at him and he says, Peter, I've prayed for you, and when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That's Luke twenty-two thirty-two. You know, I think Jesus here is showing Peter what Peter is really like. His frailty, his weakness, his pride, and his cowardice are all revealed in a moment. And there stands Peter, naked before Jesus. And yet Jesus invited him to return to a relationship with him and take up the work that he had asked him to do. Now, I talked about David in the last episode and his incredibly cool nickname, a man after God's own heart. David shares in great detail how absolutely and completely he feels that he is known by God. This is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, and when I'm resting at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me and you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. If I could ask the darkness to hide me, and the light around me to become night, even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand along the seashore. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You know, the fact that God knows him so completely does not seem to make David afraid. He isn't trying to hide at all. In fact, he's delighting, reveling in the intimate way that God knows him. It gives him comfort. It actually inspires confidence in him. But then David takes it a further step. Now, when I come across this kind of thing, I call this a pro tip. This is the kind of response to God that will really propel you forward in your spiritual growth. What is it David does? What is this pro move that David knows that you and I need to learn? He moves from a simple acknowledgement of how well God knows him to a frank invitation for more. In the closing verses of Psalm 139, David prays this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Wow. Now, that's the response that brings joy to God's heart. And you know, seriously, friends, it is for our benefit that we seek out God's careful scrutiny, his close examination. I want you to picture yourself climbing up onto that microscope slide and getting on there so that God can get a really good look inside your heart. And here's why. Because our own hearts are not capable or willing of doing this job honestly. And without making excuses or casting blame on others, you and I, our hearts, the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You and I cannot know even our own hearts as God can. He has clarity. He can see right into what we think, what we feel, what our motivations are. God can see it all. But, you know, the other thing is that our Heavenly Father is then able to do something about it. And this is that spiritual ecosystem that I mentioned earlier. It's the indwelling Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus called the Comforter, the Helper. Roll those around in your thoughts for a few minutes. The Comforter, the Helper. Remember the context. Jesus had told the disciples he was going to go away. He knew, you know, that his time on earth and the work he came to do was drawing to a close and he would then ascend to the Father. But he, when he said that, of course, it freaked them out. They couldn't imagine being without Jesus. But he said, I will send you another comforter, a helper. That word is paracletus, the one that walks alongside to help. 
He's called the spirit of truth, and he would come and take up resonance inside the human heart to guide and to guard. He, the Holy Spirit, is at the center of this life-giving process. So let me ask you, do you need a helper? Do you need a comforter? Do you need the spirit of truth? We all do. The answer is yes. He is there to guide us toward the right path and guard us from dangerous self-delusion, from thinking of ourselves in a way that is just not accurate. And he's in us to be a channel of spiritual insight and spiritual power. And here's how that happens. His method is a gentle conviction that raises both our awareness of sin but also stirs up in us a longing for that restored fellowship with God, a longing to be like Christ. You know, it's our enemy. It is Satan who chides us with our faults. He throws them up in our face continually, telling us that we're disqualified, that we're losers, spiritual losers, and that God is so disappointed with us, so absolutely, totally bummed out about us that he's really not interested in any further relationship with us, that we might as well just give it up and stop. That's Satan's, if he can, can't keep you from becoming a Christian, he wants to keep you from becoming an effective Christian. And that's a Christian who is conformed to the image of Christ, a Christian who has laid hold on all of those spiritual blessings in Christ and is very quickly becoming more and more like the one he worships. That's Satan's greatest fear. Now, when I backslid, which maybe you're not familiar with that term, it's really a term that Christians lose for losing ground spiritually, for being further away from God one day than you were, you know, the day before. And usually we end up stuck in some kind of sin. I think of it this way, that I took the the steering wheel of my life into my own hands and then promptly drove it into the ditch where I'm now stuck. That's what being backslidden is all about. And when I backslid, the number one way I did it was I just simply stopped listening to the Holy Spirit. But you know, two and a half years later, on a Sunday afternoon, he spoke to me so clearly about what was ahead on the path that I had chosen. And it was a wake-up call, a real come-to-Jesus moment. And here's the thing I can tell you about the Holy Spirit. His timing is always perfect. Because I was by then ready to hear about my sin and the future consequences. And it was of God's mercy that he decided to call out to me on that day. And I am oh so glad and oh so thankful that I responded to his invitation to come back. You know, I was sitting on the bed in my bedroom, going through files of the hospitals and doctors I would call on on Monday. And Literally out of nowhere. I mean, I wasn't thinking about anything spiritual. I was thinking about work on Monday. And yet, God spoke to me. And this is what I heard. He said, Kelly, you have three kids, and two of them don't even know my name. 
you can continue on this path that you're on. But if you do, you're going to lose these kids. And you know, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Can you imagine that as a Christian mother, as a Christian parent, hearing God tell you very plainly in no uncertain terms how things stand in your life and what will be coming up in your future? Now, I didn't get the scroll from heaven. I didn't get, you know, this and this and this and this and this for five years ad infinitum. I got a warning. I got a warning that the path I was on was not going to lead to blessing for me or for my children. I might accomplish the goals I had set out for myself. I might achieve those things, but God is saying, at what cost? And I think, I mean, I just can't tell you how valuable it is to me to know that God cared about me, cared about my children enough to speak to me, to as it were, give me this warning. And I knew in that moment that one day I would regret my stubbornness and my selfishness because of the consequences that were sure to come in my children's lives. You know, love is most powerful as a verb, as an action word. And on that Sunday afternoon, God took action. And he invited me to return, just exactly as, as Jesus had invited Peter. Peter, when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Pick up where you left off. And that is the beauty. Oh, friends, that is the beauty. It doesn't matter. Let me just say again, it doesn't matter how far off the path you've gone. There is always a way back and a way back into God's love, God's blessing, God's plan, his purpose for you. You know, one of my favorite verses, and it's a verse that came to mind right after I heard that word from the Lord. And lest you think I'm saying, I heard no audible voice. But in my heart, I knew God was speaking to me. But the verse that came right to mind after that was that God restores to us the years the canker worm has eaten. Now, that's an Old Testament reference, but the idea is that, you know, think of the, the locusts that go through a crop and destroy it all. And if that happens several years in a row and, you know, so there's no fruitfulness, no abundance, it's all been eaten. And yet this promise is that God can restore to us those years that the canker worm has eaten. And that's exactly the promise that I heard in my heart that day. This is one of the benefits of knowing a lot of scripture is when he needs it, the Holy Spirit can bring that scripture right back to your remembrance, which is a promise that Jesus gave us, that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth and bring these things back to our remembrance. So a little bit off topic, but I got going and you got to hear that, girls. That's one of the reasons you should very often read scripture and then you need to memorize those ones that stand out in your mind. Put them in the vault so the Holy Spirit has those to use. You know, that experience, though, taught me this. It taught me that I could completely trust God to show me myself naked and exposed before him while recognizing that he could and would do 
the work of forgiving, of cleansing, of restoration, of sanctification that was going to be necessary for me to walk along the path of everlasting life once again. All because he fully loves us. He loved me still that day. And so whatever I needed, I knew he was there to provide so that I could walk again, as David said, along that path of everlasting life. You know, to be fully known is really one of the things we all desperately want, but we do not find it among our human relationships. And here's what I mean by that. We hide our deepest fears and longings and our own sinful inclinations. We hide all that stuff. We keep it from our parents, from our spouses, from our closest friends. Because we're afraid, we fear their disapproval or their rejection. And we're, we're just afraid that we're, you know, we're not good enough. In fact, I think we know we aren't. <laughs> and though the world likes to tell us we are, we're enough in Christ, but on our own. <laughs> Friends, I think you and I both know we came to Christ because we knew we weren't enough. We knew we were flawed, and we knew we needed God's love in our lives. We needed his spirit in us. We needed that connection, that life-giving union with him. And in God, we find the one who knows us fully, loves us completely, and is able to do that divine work of conforming us to the image of Christ. You know, I'd like to share with you this little quote from Christy Knockle's book, The Life You Long For. It says, often our enemy's fiercest strategy against us as the beloved is keeping us consumed with living for God rather than living from God. Our enemy knows full well that when we live from God, it lifts the burden and the stress and the striving, and it restores to us the joy of knowing God and of loving him. The joy is contagious. Living from the bullseye of our belovedness, we begin to trust God alone with what makes us right before him. Oh, I love that. Living from the bullseye of our belovedness, we begin to trust God alone with what makes us right before him. He is the one who can diagnose what's wrong, what's lacking, and he's the one who can supply it. It's not about us living for him as much as living from him, of letting that relationship with him be the heartbeat of our lives, because we are beloved. And that says a whole lot more about God than it does about us. You know, Tozer, A.W. Tozer, and again, I'll say, if you start listening to this podcast, you'll hear me quote from Tozer. His books live on the bookshelf in my office. And even though I did that Marie Kondo thing and tried to get rid of a whole bunch of books, I can't get rid of these. They are so filled with spiritual wisdom that they, they constantly feed me and remind me the blessings that there are in a relationship with God. So here's what Tozer says. He says, how unutterably sweet 
is the knowledge that our Heavenly Father knows us completely, because no talebearer can inform on us. No enemy can make an accusation stick. No forgotten skeleton can come tumbling out of some hidden closet to abash us and expose our past. No unsuspected weakness in our characters can come to light to turn God away from us since he knew us utterly before we knew him and he called us to himself in the full knowledge of everything that was against us. His knowledge of our afflictions and our adversities is more than theoretic. It is personal. It is warm and it is compassionate. Whatever may befall us, God knows us, and he cares as no one else can. Mm. So good. Well, how to put this into practice in our lives? You know, I want to encourage you, and frankly, I want to challenge you to let go of any residual fear of being fully known by God, and simply take David's prayer in Psalm 139, as your own. David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Because God does know you fully and yet loves you completely. And I promise you, he is not going to stop pouring into your life until he has finished the good work that he began in you. So trust his plan. Trust his promise. Trust his love. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father, forgive our foolish pride and the fears that stand like bricks in a wall between us and you. Convince our hearts of our belovedness, of how cherished we are as your children, and hold us close as you search our anxious thoughts. Make us willing to hear about whatever offends you, and remind us to look to you to lead us away from that thing and into the path of everlasting life. Amen. I just, I'm so happy that you've been here today. I'm so thankful that you've come and given a few minutes to listen. I pray it's been a blessing to you. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Kelly J. Grace, or you can visit the blog at kellyjgrace.com. And if this episode has encouraged you, go ahead and hit the follow button so you won't miss any of the others in this series. I also hope that you'll tell a few friends about us. And of course, you can leave a review. That's a great way to help others who you don't personally know to find their way to this podcast too. Now, next time I'll be sharing with you a powerful way to grow your faith. So I'll see you then.